Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Everything Under the A Umbrella, brought to you by WeWe Media. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to talk about our contest that we have going on right now, uh, the Project 2020 Vision. Uh, it's a little bit different spin on an affiliate contest where the proceeds, uh, where a portion of our profits go to those effect directly affected by COVID-19 situation. Um, today, I have a very, very, very special guest, and I know that I'm saying that a lot these days with our podcast, but this one is different. Um, we are joined, by, uh, joined with Moon Fam from Amsterdam, uh, a dear friend of mine who I've been working with uh, for the past, I don't even know how long, Moon, how has it been? How long has it been? I think eight years. Eight years. So yeah, it's, we, we go way back, but uh, this is the first time we've ever done a podcast together. So I'm very excited for this. So for all our podcast listeners out there, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in affiliate marketing? Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you everyone for listening. I am actually a little bit nervous today because it is my first time to talk for other people, or not in front of other people, but I mean for other people. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's start a little bit about me. I have been working in uh, affiliate marketing for more than 10 years. Uh, I have uh, created five different companies in total. So just recently, uh, two months ago, I decided to leave uh, affiliate marketing. Uh, and soon enough, now I'm, I'm on my break for three to five months to just relax, enjoying my life. And uh, beginning of next year, 2021, I will start with something new. Um, so that's it about me in a nutshell. All right. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast is to kind of um, get, get into the details and... Uh, you know, 10 years is a lot to cover in about 45 minutes. So let's kind of just jump into it. Um, where sure. did you, where let's did your, where did your affiliate marketing career start? I think like when I graduated from uh, uh, my uh, master, I was thinking I really wanted to work for a big brand comp. Uh, I really want to work in uh, marketing, but I wanted to, to work in branding or pricing. Uh, but at that time, I had a job offer in affiliate marketing, in online. So I thought, mm, well, let's give it a shot. So I first started working for an advertiser, and then mainly, mainly focused on mobile content, team submit. Mm. Um, before that, I never knew that this industry existed. And I also <laughs> never knew that people could make so much money with this. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. I started, I was like, wow, really? So what year was uh, this? What year was this? That was, I think, in 2010. So 2010, you're working for a mobile content company. I'm assuming based out of Amsterdam because that's where all the, the mobile yes, content guys are. Yes, that's correct. So you started off yeah. as an advertiser. What did you do for this uh, advertiser? So in the beginning, I started as a camp campaign manager. So that means I made a lot of campaign for the company so they can roll out to affiliate. Mm -hmm. um, so... So while I worked there for a year, I realized I want to manage the traffic. So that means I want to work for the affiliate marketing team. And that means I want to become an affiliate manager. I work directly with affiliates who own the traffic. Ah, so, so I, did, I had no idea. You were an affiliate manager? Yes, I was. It took me, I think, two years to, to, be, to, to, to got promoted to work there. Oh, okay. So, so that was um, your account manager first, and then you moved up to an affiliate manager after two years. And that's kind of, I bet, where you got a little bit of a taste of the, the traffic yeah. and, and how powerful it is. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and then on my third year with the company, because the company was doing really well, and uh, they had some spare money to invest in a new project. And me and one of my, my, one of my colleagues at the time, we decided to. Uh, uh, learn more about email marketing. So eventually we build a biz, uh, an email business under, under that advertisers for the company. So mm -hmm. I think for the first half year, we had a very big success with email marketing. And I think we made around half a million for, the, for my boss at the time. So wow. that's how my uh, affiliate marketing uh, in terms of like on the traffic side started. 
Well, I mean, you kind of skipped over a lot of juicy stuff there. It's not too easy to generate 500K <laughs> with email marketing. Uh, why don't you give yeah. us a little bit about who mentored you? How did you learn email marketing? And yeah, how did you get into email marketing and, and not like pop or display or banner traffic? Well, you know, I think it, everything happened um, accidentally. So at the time I knew that there was Facebook, there was Google, there was Pop, but they was kind of quite complicated and quite difficult to learn and I didn't have anyone to teach me. Mm -hmm. uh, but at, the, at that time, uh, we knew an uh, email platform here in the Netherlands. They could deliver, they, they have a very good services and I had, I had no knowledge about email marketing, but at that time I was really interested in it. And I think I was very lucky because 10 years ago, email marketing was still very easy. Yeah. I remember like when we started, uh, we could like our click rate, our opening rate on Hotmail was like 40%. Wow. I don't think you can do it these days anymore. Uh, and on the other, other time we sent mainly in the Netherlands and in Belgium. And I think like our opening rate was minimum like 20, 25%. If it mm -hmm. was below than 25%, I would be very disappointed. So wow. usually our opening rate was from 25% to sometimes it was even up to 55%. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Wow. Yes. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. And what did you run with your email marketing? Was it still mobile uh, content offers or was it lead gen? Or? Uh, at that time, we run a lot of different offers. So mainly we run uh, mobile content or pin submit. We run IVR. We also run some lead generation. We run some skincare product. We, we run some Nutra product. So basically mm -hmm. anything that made it money, we run everything. So yeah. that was under the internal team of uh, your, your company that you're working for. Um, so time, yes. when did you feel like, all right, uh, enough making money for the, bit, for the bosses. It's time to get mine. And, and when did you feel comfortable and confident that it was your time to, to kind of go on your own or go with your partner? I think literally life pushed me because it was not my choice. So, you know, I grew up, I always believed that, well, you know, like, um, I don't need to, I don't need to make so much money. You know, I, I just want to become a marketing manager of the company. I don't want to have my own company because then I'm a woman. It would take so much, it would take so much work. And uh, well, you know, like I believe that I should get married and then uh, maybe my husband will be rich and I don't have to make all this money by myself. <laughs> but eventually, you know, like <laughs> uh, that was not my journey. I was pushed to to become an entrepreneur. So what happened was, after half a year of running a business under my uh, my 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 company under my the exercise at that time, um, I wanted to have a pay raise. I want to have in this uh, new business. So I had some discussion with my boss at the time but he, he didn't he didn't agree he told me like moon you're so young uh you cannot ma manage a team by yourself you don't have enough experience uh, yeah. blah 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 so i was quite angry mm -hmm. uh, in a heated moment i told him well you know like if you don't give me some share in this new business new business then okay i'm gonna leave mm -hmm. so we had a very heated conversation and then i just left so so that um, was all in well, in a day you kind of you quit on the yeah, spot. Yeah, but it's not about it. And then uh, there was another. Uh, so uh, I, I sent my email to all my clients that I run a lot of traffic with them. I said, okay, I'm going to leave this company. Uh, goodbye. So actually one of my, um, my clients at the time, he said, hey, Moon, uh, why don't you, how about I uh, create a new company? where you have 10%, 10% of 10% share of the new company. I double your salary. I give you whatever you want. Why don't you come and join us? I opened the new company for you. Yeah. So, uh, but my old, my old boss wanted to sue me for working for this new company mm -hmm. because obviously I'm going to, to do the same new business. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my, uh, my new investor at the time, he said, okay, Moon, I can fight for you. I will hire the lawyer to fight for you. So let's go. So yeah. Perfect. That's how I started. Yes. So that's how I started. I took one of my one of my colleagues from the old company together with me because we built we we built that that new business together. So I was a bit like I didn't want to do everything alone by myself. So I took him with me. 
So that's so wait, how, you took how... your your coworker with you from the advertiser with you? Yes. Yes. Wow, that definitely must yes. have been uh, <laughs> aggravated your uh, former employer a lot. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think through my through the last ten years of working in in affiliate marketing, I think I have had at least five or six people wanted to sue me. So that's, yeah, that's well, part of it. I mean, sometimes if you're not getting sued, you're not doing enough is sometimes the way I look at it. <laughs> very, I mean, very true. It's only yeah. the big boys that get sued, right? So um, it, it shows something. It shows that you're doing something important. That's for sure. Thanks, John. That's really sweet of you. <laughs> always, you can always oh, look. I did something weird. <laughs> Or maybe I did something really wrong. That's really why people wanted to sue me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to look at the, you know, the, the glass is half full rather than half empty. So, so when you moved oh, on to your, e- <laughs> your email marketing company, so this is probably 2013-ish? Yeah, something like that. 12, 13, yes. And uh, so, so this, you strictly focused on email marketing and it's a two-man team. I always team. focus on email. Okay. Yes. So it's a two man team. Um, did yeah. you guys, did you guys grow? How long did this company last before you kind of moved on to your next venture? So basically when we started with this new company, uh, where I have 10% share and my coworker has 10% share and we have, uh, quite good money, quite good salary. So we also had one designer and we have one IT guy. So in total we have four people, mm-hmm. uh, this company lasts for only half a year because at the time I was very young. I wanted to expand. I wanted to, I wanted to do more market. I wanted to grow. Uh, but the investors just want to stay focused in the Netherlands or in Benelux, like Netherlands, mm-hmm. Belgium. That's it. They didn't want. They didn't want to expand to, for example, U.S. other European country. So at a certain point, we had some um, conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. we decided to leave this company, and we had had a new investor who said, hi, uh, how, uh, how about I invest into your new company? You guys can open a new com- company. Stay I just want vu. to have some small share. Yeah, I want to have, <laughs> I just want to have small share, small share of the company, the rest. You guys can have the rest. So we mm-hmm. jumped. So we opened, we started a new company. Uh, so you and your coworker from the second, moved, from your initial. Yes. So this is the second time yes. you moved together. Okay. And okay. so that's how we started our, our company together. It calls MoMA. So it is also a network. And uh, I... Ah, okay. So yeah. this is MoMA now. And this is kind of... Yes. Uh, I, this is... Uh, I think we were already working together before you started MoMA. But, before. Uh, the first yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. yes. So yeah. MoMA was... a. If you kind of let these people know what MoMA was and what you're trying to do and what your kind of your plan and vision was for MoMA. Yeah, so I think when we started MoMA, uh, at least in the Netherlands, we was very well known uh, because we are very strong in email marketing. I think at the time we are one of the best and biggest one in the Netherlands or in Benelux in terms of running affiliate marketing campaigns. Uh, I remember like every campaign that we run, uh, every weekend, every week, it was on national national news. Uh And we also had a lot of people reaching out to us to ask us to give them some tips, some tricks on how to run email marketing and where all the idea was coming from. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I do remember a lot of the MoMA, um, traffic and I do remember we had a very solid system, um, for a, you know, a year or two of, um, Friday night, just massacres, (laughs) just, just craziness. And I remember it would be, it's it's your evening, so six o'clock. That's when people go home. That's when they're not. That's when they're not checking anymore. That's when they're not as uh, strict on the flows because nobody can really watch because it's Friday, and that's twelve o'clock where I am at lunch. Yeah, when yes. I was based in Toronto, <laughs> so I would remember yeah. like I would go to lunch and I'd come back and I'd be like, holy fuck like what the fuck just happened and it was like 30,000 in like two hours and you know that weekend was gonna you know that always made me have a really good weekend (laughs) I didn't have to worry about anything 
yeah i think there was even some weekend that we almost reached like half a million in one weekend for example. yeah yeah i mean you shut in down Europe, a, yeah. a, you're a very popular like once again you're a very popular person i don't know if it's a good thing that why you're popular but you were definitely all over the news and and <clears throat> And I think a reason what I want to touch upon here and go a little bit deeper is that um, there's no way you can get to this type of volume if you don't have, you know, a really strong structure. And, um, and one of the things, and you got, you mentioned it earlier in the, in the, in the call, um, you said your open rates were extremely high. And I think uh, a reason for your open rates of being high is not because it was so easy and, and, it was new. That's, that's part of it. But I've worked with thousands of affiliates before. And till this day, I say that you are the most creative person I've worked with before, uh, especially when it comes with email marketing and SMS marketing that we'll get into later. Um, How did like, were you always creative growing up Uh, because of the, the angles that you put together and the, the designers that you work with, you know, it made it seem so real <laughs> and it was <laughs> such a good angle that, and the crazy part about you and your process is other affiliates, you know, they'll run an angle and they'll run it until it's dry, but you would change an angle every week and yeah, you would, you would keep right. us on our toes. You would make us feel like, okay, we, what are we going to get for moon? What new theme are we going to get for moon this week? And we had a really good system, but, um, yeah, were you always creative? And when did you feel like, you know what, like the reason I'm doing so well, a big reason is, is my, is my angle and my creatives. I guess, when did you start to notice that you do things a little bit different than everybody else? I think, I, I think, you know, like I always loved writing, even though when I was a kid and when I was a kid, I started reading like a lot of books about human psychology so I think it starts from there. So when I started working in this industry, I realized that, hey, you need to find a way to convince people. If you cannot find a way to convince people, to make people trust what they're seeing, there's no way that you can, tell, can ask them to do what, what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, thankfully, because I have, like I said, I have read a lot of books about human psychology, why people think the way they think. Uh, how do they act, how do they, and, they react and, how do they, they and respond buying behavior and yeah like exactly yes your your angles were relevant to the times to what's happening in that city at that time and it was yes. it was really unique and i think that's what made it special um so back to jumping back to moma and i and i'm pretty sure that's why moma uh, i guess attracted a lot of affiliates at that time because everybody kind of knew who you were because of your creative angles and then you kind of yes. offered it a part of the of the flow right you offered your yes, creatives so a, a part of it so yes. you can kind of scale out and kind of how long did moma last and after moma where did you go from there okay so uh um i own moma for i think two year and a half so uh, uh, at that time i think moma was growing expanding really really big um, but at some point, it's me, be, it's me being me. So I feel like I have reached the highest point of email marketing. So I wanted to do something else. Well, I think I will come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do Facebook. So at the time, uh, and also between me and my business partner at the time, I realized that at some point, we don't, we don't think and we don't grow at the same pace anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, and my heart, because, you know, like for me, the moment I really learn and I'm really reaching the, the top, I feel like I need to do something else to give myself the, the thrill. So uh, after two years and a half, I decided to um, say goodbye to MoMA, to sell my share to my business partner. Also, he used to be my co-worker, yeah, don't forget. So mm-hmm. I decided to sell my share to him and uh, I decided to move to Facebook and start doing Facebook. Okay. And that is a, you know, a pretty big pivot as a, as an affiliate, because usually people get comfortable, like you said, and you kind of reach the point and, and I guess that's the entrepreneur in you is like always wanting more and always wanting a a new challenge. Um, And, you know, you can't get a bigger challenge than Facebook. Um, So tell me about that journey uh, and, and how you came about to get into Facebook and 
um, you know, that's a big transition from email to Facebook in terms of the entire platform and, and yeah. how you target your users. Uh, did you have, did you see any success with Facebook? Yes. So basically with Facebook, because, you know, with Facebook, you need to have someone to teach you. Otherwise, I think you can spend years on this testing, doing some stuff and you don't see the results. So, but I, I heard from everyone that Facebook at the time was one of the biggest traffic stars. I think equivalent like Google and Facebook at the time was two biggest traffic stars. And I think at the time, I believe that if I was able to make it work on email or I learned everything by myself, I should be able to make it big on Facebook. But so I didn't was, want to. This was yeah. around 2015, 2016, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, but I mean, like I, um, because I didn't want to waste one year that to learn everything by myself. So I uh, went to a lot of party in our industry. Then uh, I, I think it was our party uh, from yes. our, before that I, in yeah. Taipei, in yes. Taipei, right? Yes, yes. So I tried to network with a lot of guys who, who, who was big on Facebook at the times to see if, if they could teach me to do Facebook. But of course, you know, like nobody, could, nobody would teach you the secret, you know, yeah. to make money so but eventually i was lucky enough and i think the time was right the moment was right so i met to a great person from malaysia mm-hmm. uh, at the time there was rising star in uh, in facebook marketing mm-hmm. so i approached them a couple of times uh, i tried to friend with them for a couple of times and eventually they agreed to um, teach me on how to do facebook so first they get, they told me well you know let's try to work on it for three months to see what happens. So of course, my they teach me on how to do media buying on Facebook. My first few my first few campaign fail miserably. You know, like I have shitty CTR, the clicks rate on the creative. Everything was shit. It was horrible. Yeah. And I think those two guys they kind of like okay, we don't think that she's 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 smart enough to be able to do it. And also, I'm not a very of not a very technical person on Facebook. You have to do a lot of steps, steps, you know, like to launch yeah. a campaign. So yeah. like thousand steps, manual steps. <laughs> and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, to be honest, that's not something for me. I made so many mistakes. I still remember one of the guy, he looked at me and he, 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 he looked at me. I think he already gave up. Yeah. Uh, but I told them like, well, give me one more chance. I mm-hmm. believe that I will be able to make it work. And at the time, like, Finland, Norway, Sweden used to be very, very big for all the affiliates if you run Seas Travel, like really, yeah. really big. Yeah. So at the time they had a campaign called IKEA campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my one of the two guys, my later that became my business partner, he told me, Moon, we already run this already. I don't think you can make it work. We 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 made a lot of sales in Finland in in all these Scandinavian country on this campaign. I don't think you can make it work anymore. I said, Well, I believe I can make it work give me uh, two weeks mm-hmm. so that's how it started two weeks later all the sales flying coming in like like crazy so yeah. i created everything myself like even i didn't copy anything from any, anyone i create everything from the scratch from the creative from the lender from the text everything else so it works like crazy so and for once my those two guys they said well you know maybe they saw the potential <laughs> in me they said, why don't we create a company together so that's nice. how i started so is this um is this when you were doing your Asia tour and you're actually staying in Asia for quite a while? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so, mean, nobody can knock your dedication or your determination. Um, I mean, it, it takes a lot for someone to pick up their bags and and move all the way out there to Asia or out here where yeah. I am uh, to learn a new <laughs> traffic source. So, um, yeah. so after you formed the new company, how long did did that last? And um, what did you move on to from there? Yeah, so the company last, at least I stayed within the company for a year. So I had to say when I started, I underestimated two things. Number one is the time zone differences. And number two is the work culture differences. Because mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, like we are all international people. We are all ambitious. We are all hardworking. We have our talents. Everything will work. But you know, like at that time, every one month I stay in the Netherlands, one month I go to Malaysia and every day I have to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And when I wake up, I already got like hundreds of messages from my mm-hmm. team in Malaysia. So for mm-hmm. me, like every day I feel like it's a, sur- 
it is just a rush. Every yeah. day, I work from 5 a.m. to like 11 p.m. my time. Um, uh, and also me and my business partner at the time, of course, you know, everyone is, uh, I, I really like them, but I think at a certain point, because we formed the company so fast, we didn't have a lot of time working together before. Um, so we have a lot of conflicts in terms of managing the team, in terms of managing the company. So uh, even though we make quite some good money in the beginning, so, but I mean, for me, after a year, then I realized uh, I have a lot of stress. I, uh, mm-hmm. if I was making millions, that was fine, but I wasn't, I wasn't making that much. And for mm-hmm. this lifestyle, you know, like also like every month I'm here, every month I'm there. Yeah. Uh, it's quite stressful, you know? Yeah, so it definitely even, takes a toll on you. Uh, it yeah. would like compounding month after month. Uh, I can imagine that, you know, you could probably sustain that for one month or two months, but yeah. for do it for a year, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's true. So after a year, I told them, well, you know, if you want to buy my shares, you can buy my shares. I want to, uh, I want to be out. So they, um, so they bought my share and then uh, I left, I think three years, more than three years ago. Yeah. In mm-hmm. 2017 or something. Yeah. So, uh, after that, but in the meantime, I had a company here in the Netherlands and I started in 2017. Mm-hmm. So at that time I have two companies at the same time, right? One in Malaysia, one here in the Netherlands, but mm-hmm. all my heart, my heart, my time, my effort, my money, I put in for the company in Malaysia. Uh, mm-hmm. So the company in the Netherlands, I had three employees, but we didn't make we didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I thought, well, you know, like I already know how to do email, I can teach them how to do email. Obviously, the money could could flow in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not because you know if you if the company doesn't have a leader, I was not all all the time there because I was gone for one month. I come back, and every time I come back, my heart, my show was somewhere else. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a wake-up call to me. I remember that was September. One of my employees, he came, she came to me and she said, "Hey Moon, I don't think we have enough money to 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 run for more than two months, and I think everyone in the team now is really um, not motivated. Mm-hmm. Everyone, uh, I I feel like maybe they're gonna leave soon. Like the company so, culture is kind of going down, and yeah." Because mm-hmm. your boss is never there and she's always somewhere else and we don't make any money. So, of course, everyone's spirit was re- very, very low. Mm-hmm. So, thanks to her that it was a wake-up call to me. Then I thought to myself, I have this company in the Netherlands. I own the whole company and everyone that's following me from the old company to this company, they sacrificed so much for me and I didn't do shit for them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that was September then. But that time, email marketing started getting very difficult already, you know, like... Uh, Hotmail, they already have machine learning, so it was impossible for you to have 40% uh, uh, opening rate. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, so the email landscape at that time became very competitive, very, very difficult. And then, uh, lucky enough for me at that time, uh, one of my clients, he has a lot of SMS database. And then uh, I also know a guy from, uh, he's from Denmark. He told me, hey, Moon, I made a lot of money with SMS in Denmark. Then I thought to myself, hmm, if he can do it, I can do it 10 times better. Yeah. So that's how we started with SMS marketing. Ah, okay. Um, yes. And yeah, so then uh, this is kind of your later part of your career. And uh, I guess for all the people out there that don't know, um, SMS marketing is straight text messages to the users. And then you'd run them through similar flows from the text to the landing page to the offer page um was was sms marketing known um throughout a lot of affiliates at that time or was it kind of flying under the radar and uh like how popular was it and was there a lot of competition i think when i started with sms marketing there was a few people doing it uh, but it it was not really competitive uh and there was not so many people doing this so i think i would say i was one of the i wasn't one of the first but I think I started really strong, so I become one of the biggest actually after yeah. three months. Yeah, I would I would definitely would be calling you like the SMS queen um, if there was a title in this industry. I think people, Thank you. <laughs> and I think that you brought you know the same type of creativity from you know your email background, and uh, it's a little bit similar flow compared to Facebook. Um, yeah. <clears throat> 
So with SMS, what type of success did you see? Did you ever reach the heights that you did with email that you did with Facebook? Um, and what did you like about SMS? Was it, you know, was it hard to get up campaigns like Facebook or was it easier? Yeah. Okay. So let's say, um, when I run uh, email and uh, Facebook, I had my uh, very big success. But SMS is the biggest, biggest <laughs> success I have ever had. <laughs> the biggest success I have ever had. And I think for two years, if you could ask any network that we have been working with, I think we are all on, on that top five. Mm -hmm. Always on the top five. Um, so... Um, why do you feel yeah, like SMS is so scalable? Is it because, uh, is it, you can get data a lot easier or the delivery rates are good or the open rates are good compared to email? Like, why do you think SMS kind of, you had the most success with it? I think with SMS, there are two factors to that. Number one is it is a bit, it is less complicated than email to send. And number two, if something works for you, you can scale really, really fast. So, for example, for email, if something works for you, for example, for email, if you want to set up a campaign, it, it may take you like at least a couple of hours to set it up. But with SMS, like, hey, it takes you 15 minutes. So you save a lot of time. And uh, uh, with email, if you want to scale, because there's always some speed, right? Okay, if yeah. you want to send to hotmail, the maximum speed you can send is, for example, 20,000 per hour. That yeah, is quite yeah. slow. And mm -hmm. with, with Gmail, maybe five, ten thousand. It depends on the reputation of your IP, of your domain. But mm -hmm. with SMS, like if something is work is working well for you, you can scale it up to one million per hour. That's fine. <laughs> I so, mean, believe me, <laughs> yeah. I, I I also wanted to jump on the SMS train myself. I swear to you that uh, yeah. I got my hands on some data. I also signed up to some platforms, and I was like, "Fuck this! If Moon's gonna do this, and everyone's doing this, I'm a." I'm not an idiot. I'm going to try. <laughs> but I think at that time I didn't have the greatest coach. I didn't, I didn't know too much. And I just, uh, you know, just tried a little bit, but never really put my like heart and soul into it. So I didn't, I wasn't extremely yeah. successful, but yeah, I mean, yeah. seeing the numbers, like you said, when you were working at for an advertiser and you kind of see, uh, the, the power of traffic and the revenue of traffic is, uh, yeah. it's kind of tempting or it is very tempting. And, uh, the, the cool thing I like about SMS is like, I used to think that email blasts have, are pretty quick, but SMS, yeah. like you, Quicker. you go, <laughs> I go to the bathroom and I come back and I'm like, Oh, what the hell? I think like something's wrong with the system. And really it's the what? truth. Like you really just did a thousand leads in like 15 minutes or something like that. And it's like a flood. So, um, yeah, yeah those are, those are fun to watch. Um, and so that took you did SMS for two years and you kind of um, three years and that takes you to now right that takes you to basically yeah, um, semi, your semi your semi hiatus I like to call it I don't think you're gonna walk away completely from the industry but uh, I guess towards the end do you feel like you you just wanted to take a break or the the landscape of the industries kind of change over the past six months what what led you to this kind of uh, retirement yes semi-retirement so I, I think it's basically the same i i think one of my clients he uh, he spot out the pattern it's actually who he it's actually him who told me hey moon you uh, okay i will come back to it so basically when i was at the highest point of email marketing right so i mm -hmm. feel like um i want to to learn something else i want to achieve something else so i moved to facebook and when i was at the highest time of my of, of, of my life with facebook then i'm like okay uh, now I want to do something else, which is SMS. So uh, we was work. I I had uh, my company for three years, and I I I um I want to be modest, but I have to say we, uh, we are one of the biggest one in uh, SMS marketing in this in affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. So uh, also at some point for me, I realized that I can just grow in horizontally, but not vertically anymore. You know, like now. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I feel like. Um, that's not so much for me to learn mm -hmm. and I'm still young. I want to learn something and I want to build something. Mm -hmm. the, the, the cool thing about affiliate marketing is if you work really hard and if you are a, a very creative person, you're going to make a lot of money, no doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever company you build, 
it may not last that long. So for example, for myself, the moment I stop working, I don't make any money anymore. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I, I realized that I need to build something a bit more solid, like building a brand, build, building a proper mm-hmm. company. So mm-hmm. when I can sell it, one day if I want to sell it, I can sell it for a very good yeah. price. Yeah. So um, like last year, I wanted to sell my company all the potential buyer who wanted to buy my company, they want me to be in the deal. Like they want me to still keep, to keep 50% of my share or at least 30% of my share. And I have to stay there for three to five years. So that's moment I realized, ah, for this type of business, it's good to make money, but it's very difficult to sell. It's very difficult to scale mm-hmm. it up to the next level that you can yeah. sell for maybe 10x, 10x. Yeah. So yeah. And um, I guess you are like kind of, I mean, the reason why people are interested in in acquiring your company is because of you. And I think that's why they want you to stay on board because you are the brain and you are the kind of the engine that makes your company special. So, um, I mean, I kind of see that. And I guess that takes us to our next part is in terms of building the company and building the team around you. Um, With with the companies that you've um, formed in the past, like how big did they get? And um yeah how big was the biggest company and how big was the smallest company and now that you've taken a step back from it and you're not in any company what size was perfect for you and what did how did you like to yeah how did you like to manage this new team very interesting question actually so for uh, moma we started with i think we already started with one two three we started with five people and then at some point we grew up to i think 14 15 people and at that time i was very young i didn't have any management skill you know suddenly like we have we have four people and now i have 14 15 people under my wings yeah <laughs> at the time literally i didn't know how to manage people uh i got a little bit of the panic attack actually and mm-hmm. um uh well uh, at the time, I couldn't manage it, uh, but we hired a person who managed the team on my behalf. Um, but I think his management style was in conflict with what I believe in, so eventually we fired him. Mm-hmm. But uh, long, story, long story short, then I moved to FamiEd, my most recent company. Uh, first, we have four people. So with this company, because I own the company 100%, so I grow the company slowly, gradually. So first, we start with four then we have five, we have six, and then we have, eventually we have 10 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you kind of felt comfortable at 10. And I think maybe after when you had family ads, you were a little bit more seasoned as a manager. And um, like you yeah. said, you're a little bit overwhelmed and you had maybe some panic attacks. It's, it's different. Yeah. It's different creating campaigns, creating angles, and then managing people, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's not the same and it's not the same yeah. skill set. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that you translate just because you're an amazing um, affiliate. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be an amazing manager. And um, yes. I guess you kind of grew into that role as you uh, true, true. grew in your career. Because I, I think to be honest, like nobody can teach you how to become a good manager, how to become a good leader. So basically you have, for myself, I had to read a lot of books. I have to observe a lot of different leaders, a lot of company CEO, managing director, and to learn and to see what's worked the best for myself and for my team. So mm-hmm. uh, eventually, I come, I, I, you know, with my characters, with what, uh, and so I decided. Uh, eventually, I learned what is the best management style for me for you, and yeah. what's worked the best for my team actually. So were you, were you a cool boss? Were you an easy boss? Were you hard to please kind of boss? Uh, how is it working for Moon? Uh, I think in general, I really care for my employees and mm-hmm. I always want to make sure that they, uh, their well-being is on top of everything. So uh, I will make sure that we have a very nice working environment. We have lunch together. We mm-hmm. always talk things out. If something happens, they can always come to me. Mm-hmm. So I would say like I am a friendly boss, but at the same time, I also have some discipline, you know, like when we mm-hmm. have fun, we can have a lot of fun, but when it comes to work, we have a very good discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think the balance but, is, is, is important as yeah. well. Yeah. But I would say like the, the, the focus for me, number one will be always my employees' well-being. Like 
I want I just want to make sure everyone's happy in the workplace. And second is money, not money first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I uh, always believe. So did uh, Fami Ads, was that um, an all-women's company for a bit, for a while, for the most part? Yes, I think for two years. We, I, I, I only hired female, only women in my company, and it was great. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I think I, I went to your office and yeah, it was all women. And uh, it, I guess it was like a you know, woman empowerment as well because you guys are doing really well and you're, you're all women. And it, was, it must have felt good putting together a company like that. Yeah, because in our industry, you know, it's very male dominated. Oh, is it? But I never least, noticed. I never noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> but you see that all the all the companies yeah. here yeah, are sure. male. There's not even one single female or entrepreneur, you know, in the industry. And there are more guys than women. Women that's, that's usually doing account manager, that's doing some small yeah. job, you know? Yeah. So it was also very media buying. Yeah, yeah, and you know, when you go to the all those affiliate parties, it's usually a sausage fest um in terms of you know, the ratio so yeah i, I get it and it was it was, it was pretty cool seeing that uh, and seeing you grow um yeah so how did you i guess did you have any when you're hiring did you go through any specific process did someone kind of teach you the right questions to ask or what were what were one of your favorite interview questions i don't think i have any favorite interview questions but i think usually because uh, I know our work culture. I know because our company is quite small. So I know everyone characters within the company, personality, character. So whenever I meet a person um, for interview, then I try to feel the energy that person brings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I usually do is we have an open office. I will have an interview with that person in the middle of the office. So all my uh, team members could... Yes. Okay. That's cool. So like... So we have a, usually all the candidates because sometimes they can be shy because, hey, you know, I have a meeting with you, but in the middle of your office and all of your employees are looking at me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but still I, I believe uh, that was a good approach because maybe after the person left, then all of my team members could come to me and say, hey, Moon, what do you think of them? I could ask them, what do you think of them? Mm-hmm. So they could tell me honestly what they like, what they don't like. And uh, anyone who come for interview, my team also has a chance to see how they, how they answer, what and how they answer all the questions and to see whether they are a good fit for our company. Mm-hmm. And I think usually, not all the time, but usually we make a good decision. That's great. That's cool. And that's yeah. honestly the first time I've heard that before. I've heard of like many different um, interview tactics like group interviews or asking specific questions but not have i ever heard of anyone put um the interview in the middle of the office where the entire kind of company can see and i guess that puts someone in a really uh new situation (laughs) you know if i walked in and it was in front of everybody i would be a little bit shocked at first but i was like all right if this is how it's going to be then why don't all of you guys pull a seat here and ask me some questions (laughs) But I, I, I think it's also like a, a coincidence because we have a big office space, but we don't have any private room for meetings. So I think yeah. I, I just put them in the middle of the, of the, of the room. That's it. Mm, all right. Well, it I was, mean, it was by accident, right? So I, I by mean, accident, it, it was not my well thought <laughs> uh, interviewing procedure. No. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about your career and the details that you've went through, but not too much about, you know, who Moon is outside. And I know that you, you really um, care about the work-life balance and you don't want to get too stressed out. So what do you do like outside of affiliate marketing? What are some of your hobbies? I think I'm just a normal person. I really love uh, sport and working out. So I train like six times a week for many years already, early in the morning. Uh, I love to hang out with my friends. I love good foods. I love traveling. Uh, and I love a little bit of adventure here and there in my life. Yes. I mean, yeah, I always see. Yeah, and sometimes I, I go out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's too hard for you. You're, you know, really. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I've probably been, been with you and asked you and followed up with you on your dates a couple of times when, uh, when I was living in Amsterdam. Yeah, that was like three years ago. And look, I'm, I'm still single. 
and, and I don't know why. And I don't know why, to be honest. There, to all the listeners out there, this is a major catch that is falling through a lot of people's fingers right now. So, yeah, maybe later you can tell people my Instagram account or any single guy out there, they can follow me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure after this, you might have a few new followers. So, um, awesome. Now that you know you kind of taken a step back and we talked about your break, um, you probably have been putting some thought into what to do next. Just because of your personality, I I know you know maybe you'll take the rest of the year off, but there's got to be something in the pipeline that you kind of want to build and create. Like you said, is there anything that you kind of are leaning towards to, as your next venture? Um, I think first of all, I need to say like I think I'm lucky enough that I have made uh, quite good money with affiliate marketing. So I hope anyone who is listening to this podcast, maybe it will inspire you enough to join affiliate marketing. Uh, because like I said, if you work hard enough and you have enough creativity, then I'm sure you will make some good money. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Thankfully, this gives me enough cushion to do whatever I want to do in the future. Uh, so for now, I just want to say that I want to build a brand, uh, mm-hmm. something a bit more long term. But maybe mm-hmm. I can share more in the future when I started, because for now, I just, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can yeah. relate to that as well as I'm building my own brand. That's, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of legwork in the beginning and a lot of. Um, it's a different style of, of marketing, to be honest. And uh, yeah. it's exciting, but it's just different. And I'm pretty sure that if you find that perfect medium or that perfect balance between black hat style and then white hat branding, kind of, you'll find a sweet spot that I'm sure that uh, you can replicate your past successes with. I, I, I had to learn a lot about that from you, John. <laughs> yes, you have been like one or two years ahead of me. So when I started, for sure, I will call you for help. <laughs> I'm always here. I'm always one call away. So one yeah. thing to end this uh, really, really cool podcast episode that I, I've enjoyed didn't even really feel like a podcast episode. And uh, we haven't even, I've learned new stuff about you this this episode um, over the past eight years. So that's that's cool. It's cool that I learned just something new about an old friend. Um, but to end it up super fun, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. Um, I'm just going to sure. randomly ask Let's you stuff and let yeah. me know what the first thing uh, that pops into your head. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. What was your childhood dream? I wanted to become a fashion designer. A fashion designer. Ah, yes. you know what you actually, I can see that because you, you, you have a very unique sense of style and it's nice, but it is definitely your style. So yeah, that, I can okay. see that. Um, what's the first thing you me- notice about someone when you first meet? Uh, their energy. Their energy. Ah, okay. Yes. Um, what's the worst place that you can get stuck? I would say prison. <laughs> I don't know if you get stuck in prison though. You get put in prison. I don't know if you get stuck there though. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. <laughs> uh, um, if you can teleport anywhere, where would it be right now? Uh, I, I would say Vietnam because then I have the chance to meet my family. Because mm-hmm. now with the COVID, we yeah. can't go anywhere. And I hope that everybody back home in Vietnam is okay on your family side. Um, what is the strangest thing that you've eaten uh bear crocodile what bear yes wow and crocodile i can imagine but bear i've never heard of before um yeah, I ate one. Yes. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's all right i'm sorry to all the animal lovers <laughs> <laughs> so what is the what is one of your weird quirks like that someone doesn't really know about you um i would say like if I see, um, I like to stare at people, especially good-looking people or weird people. <laughs> I mean, you know what I noticed though? It in Amsterdam, um, people watching is like is a very big thing. And I found myself when I was staying there um, a few years ago, uh, I would catch myself, you know, like let's just go to the you know the patio and just people watch and you know have a couple of drinks and 
that was fun. Yeah. So I, I can, I can definitely, and if they're good looking, Hey, that's even better. If they're weird yeah. looking, <laughs> that's a topic for conversation. So it's a good yeah. one. Uh, what is your biggest pet peeve? I think like people who are dishonest and lazy. Mm, yeah, I would say that's, I was going to say lazy is one of my top pet peeves. And yeah. the last question is, <clears throat> how do you define happiness? I think these days people, everyone talks so much about happiness. Like what I think happiness is just a state of mind. It's something that you can feel and find within yourself. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I need to make 1 million to buy a house, to buy this, to buy that, to be, to feel happy. But I can tell you, like, even if you don't have money, you can still feel happy. Like you can go for, you can go for a walk in the park. Um, you can just cook the meal that you like. You can just mm-hmm. listen to a song that you like. And I think for me, it's already enough happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's nicer to, 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 to die with money than to die without money. <laughs> but I mean, like, you don't need to have one million to be happy. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't define you. But yes, yeah. I agree as well. And, uh, and that basically wraps up this uh, podcast episode. And thanks, Moon, for your time. I, I honestly had a ball catching up with you. And I hope the viewers were able to, I mean, the listeners were able to gain some knowledge and, and some tips from the, the stories that you shared. Thank you, John. Thank you very much for inviting me to join this podcast. I hope that my, um, my talk with you was able to inspire some uh, uh, listeners to join affiliate marketing. And if anyone ever have any question about Facebook, email, or SMS, um, you can always forward them to me. I am more willing to help. Nice, nice. I th- I'm pretty nice. sure I will get some people to uh, to contact you, not just for the for the advice on traffic, maybe for a date. I don't know. When they see your picture, they oh, might be yes. interested. <laughs> maybe I should open up my Instagram. <laughs> I'm sure maybe many of them would like to date me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Moon. Well, thanks a lot and then uh let's talk soon. All right, thanks John. Have a good day. You too. Bye.